Oh, well, you know the deal, friends. It's Monday night. We had a holiday last week. I am back. Don't you worry about the way I sound. That's going to be addressed. If you're watching one of these here videos, don't you worry about the way I look. That's also going to be addressed. And don't you worry about talking about rugby. You know we're doing that. But before we do any of that, let's have uh, our old friend Rob Curry check in. Rob, how's the break been? That, of course, still our theme and still an absolute banger. Link Ray Gun by the Curry Brothers off of their EP, We Are the Curry Brothers. As always, link to that's going to be in the description. Okay. Everything's all related tonight anyway, so let's address the major uh, elephant in the room, which is the sound of my voice. I've uh, strained my vocal cords, I've blown out my voice, I've hurt myself. I was shouting a lot this weekend at uh, a lot of different rugby games. Two of them live. Actually, that's not true. More than that, I was definitely shouting in the morning too when I was doing the sand rugby with the little guys. That was Saturday morning and Saturday afternoon, of course, uh, Balmy Beach Senior Men's. We played uh, two games, and friends, we won two games. That was the first round of both the GH Cup and the McCormick Cup. Tick those boxes, dust yourselves off, and get ready for next week, because we are playing again, and that will be addressed. Don't you worry about that. Anywho, uh, then on Sunday, I sang in the choir at church. Probably not the best decision, but it was the first Sunday back after summer, and I wanted to. And then uh, I watched some rugby games and shouted a lot more. And uh, yeah, this is what I'm left with. And, and it's steadily been getting worse through the day. Uh, thankfully, I don't have to talk much in my line of work, but then I'm about to record what's probably realistically going to end up being a half hour long podcast. It'll probably be the longest I'll have talked continuously since I hurt my voice. So we'll see how it goes, see how it holds up. I can already hear it's falling apart, so let's get that sorted out. Also, as mentioned, if you're watching uh, this here video and I'm unarmed, has noticed the old soup strainer is back on the old upper lip. I'm rocking a Ted Lasso. It's not my favorite thing, I'm not going to lie. But uh, during cup runs with Bommy Beach, this is what we do. We we have mustaches, and so here I am with a mustache. The high probability that some of the head from this beer is going to become entrapped in my soup strainer. Uh, incidentally, I'm not a big fan of this. No, nobody in my family is a big fan of this. A lot of people are really big fans of it. Uh, it's I don't get it, but man... I wonder if maybe people are complimenting me to try and make me feel better, like they know I must feel like an idiot, and so they're lying. <laughs> I don't know. It could be that. It could be that, but who knows? So that's... We've addressed the sound of my voice and the look of my face. Let's address this can of beer. Ooh-wee! I am excited about this. I've been drinking this a lot recently. A lot. This is Tuloon's IPA. Tuloon's the brewery. It's just their IPA. And uh, this is made by Jason Tremblay. If you know Jason from the Toronto beer scene, hell of a good brewer, hell of a good brewer. And uh, 
I had this beer on a lark a couple of months ago. I picked it up at the grocery store, I think, or LCBO somewhere anyway. Thought I actually didn't even realize at the time that it was Jason's beer because um, that's how unplugged from the scene I am. But uh, I poured it and oh, this is nice. And then, try, oh, this is really good. Oh, we're going to do that in a minute. Uh, and then I realized who, who made it and how. And uh, and then I was very happy because I like Jason a lot. And this is a fantastic beer. Uh, now, Two Loons is on uh, draft at the club. Their, uh, their lager, which is quite nice, very malt forward. I really like it. It's like, it's not quite getting to the level of being like a Vienna lager. It's not, let's not say dark enough. It might actually be on the bottom end of acceptable darkness. Um, and I, I wouldn't actually be surprised if there is some Vienna malt in there because there's a really nice caramelly malty quality to it. But uh, it's still quite yellow. It's it's more of a yellow lager, but it's really, really good. That one's on draft. I've been having a bunch of those. And then they also have cans of this. Uh, hilariously, if it's really noisy, and actually this was before I broke my voice, um, it's really easy for the server to get confused when you ask for a Two Loons IPA. They might give you two of them. And, I mean, you do have to pay for them, but it's worth it. I'll take it. So I had, last Thursday I had two of these to close the night when I only meant to have one. And they're not small. Anyhow, let's get into this before I am unable to speak. Ah. Such a good sound. I got a fancy pants class tonight. I mean, partially because... Oh, there's Erica. Hi, baby. Uh, partially because this beer definitely deserves a fancy pants class. Also partially because we're kind of out of glassware. And so the Spiegelau Tulip is what I had on hand. But look at that poor... Oh, I wasn't even paying attention. Sorry to the kids at home. YouTube, you didn't get any of that. That is... So, it's opaque. It's it's beyond hazy. I mean, you'd call it hazy, but you can't see through it. But it's not thick, and it's certainly not chunky. It's a very nice... It actually looks kind of like a lemon meringue pie in my glass. Nice, big, firm frothy white head with a beautiful lemony yellow opaque body it doesn't taste like a lemon meringue pie but it looks like it and I love lemon meringue pie I actually love pie in general it's really hard for me to pick my favorite pie it's pumpkin but that's a hard one because there's key lime and lemon meringue and apple and pecan those are all really good pies anyway still pumpkin's the best Maybe it's because my birthday is in October, and so I always have a pumpkin pie for my birthday. Isn't that cute? With a little ice cream, or whipped cream, or both. Whew. Fellow's really living when he's got ice cream and whipped cream on his pumpkin pie, let me tell you. All right, let's sniff this. Yeah, it's so good. I'm, and I'm familiar with this, which is nice. Like I say, I've had a couple of these recently. Mm, so it's like juicy. There's some tropical notes, very fruity. There's also a bit of pine to it. Except that I'm lying. I wouldn't have said pine. It's evergreeny. It's more like in the realm of um, like sprucey almost. It's not piney. It's it's slightly different. I mean, I know evergreen, but it's not cedar. It's not pine. I would I would I would call it like spruce. Maybe cedary, but like cedar boughs, not cedar wood, you know, the sticky part. Hmm. I just accidentally poured some into my mustache trying to get a sniff. 
Yeah. I don't get anything particularly from the malt profile on the nose. It's mostly hop driven, which for, I'm assuming this is a new England style, but it might be classed. It's, it's pretty bitter. I'm not going to lie. It might be a West coast, but it's like meeting in the middle. Actually, I think Jason's from like the middle of the country. Maybe this is a middle of the country IPA. I think. Is that right? Is he Manitoba? One of those places? I don't know, but I know who does, and I could have asked him, but I didn't. Anyway, uh, let's take a sip. It's going to help soothe my sore vocal cords. Mmm. Yeah, you know, I haven't really... Oh, that, that sounds better already, doesn't it? I haven't really thought too much about how this beer is classified. This is a New England style IPA, but it's like an older style, like more like heady topper. It's got a nice bitterness to it. It's not just hop juice. There's a very uh, firm, assertive, evergreeny, uh, hoppy bite to it. There's also a really nice, bright, hmm, tropically pineapple-y maybe. Yeah, I'm going to go with pineapple and some grapefruit peel um, with the hops all all mixed in together there. But again, the finish is very evergreeny and, and astringent. Quite nice. Um, it also, the body is very creamy, which makes me assume there's probably oats in here. Might be wheat too. Might be a bit of a weedy tang to that hop profile that I'm missing. Or I'm not missing, I'm talking about it right now. But it didn't immediately occur to me. I haven't read the can, actually. And I've had a few of them. It's only just occurred to me. I wonder if it says. I always like it when it says. Oh, it's so good. Oh, seriously. It actually is a little bit like lemon meringue pie in a way, but with evergreen. But the, the weight is actually a little bit similar in the way that it does things on my mouth, on my mouth, in my mouth, on my tongue, has the weight of the um, the curd in a lemon meringue pie, the lemon part. Um, really, really nice stuff. It reminds me a lot of Cigar City's High Alai. Like a lot. It reminds me a lot of Cigar City's High Alai. And Cigar City's High Alai is really, really, really exceptionally good. And so is this. This beer is ridiculous. Also, look at that packaging. It's so beautiful. Oh, hello, Crazy Canuck 82. Um, anyway, let's, speaking of which, we'll read it. I knew it's brewed at common good, so I knew that. An evergreen freshness leads to a juicy medley of citrus and tropical fruit. Couldn't agree more. At Two Loons, we believe a great beer can bring good people together. Here, we celebrate character and we value community. Here, authenticity matters. Such a nice thought. Such a beautiful can. I love it. It looks like a woodcut uh, print. It's really nice. It's a cool, cool can. Fantastic beer made by a really cool guy. Um, like I say, you can get this at the Bombing Beach Club right now. And I think LCBO is where I got it. But it might have been at a grocery store. Anyway, it doesn't have like massive um, distribution. Tulin's is a smaller brewery, but it's worth seeking out. It's real good. Real, real good. If you like your IPAs really, really juicy, but also notably uh, bitter, you're going to like this beer a lot. Not West Coast. 
telling you, this is an East Coast, but it's real nice. And I say, but East Coasts are really good. Um, but yeah, it's not hop. It's not hop juice. It's it's well made, well balanced, nice bitterness. Mm. Uh, eating with this beer. Always a challenge. Always a challenge with the New England IPAs. There's a handful of things that work really well. Um, actually, it's funny. I just ate some jalapeno poppers. Probably pretty good with a jalapeno popper. As always, bitterness from the hops, spiciness from the jalapeno popper, creaminess from the cream cheese with the astringency of the beer cutting through it. Jalapenos have a peppery, fleshy kind of vegetal taste to them that I think might set off against the fruitiness, interestingly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's what we're going with. Actually, I have two jalapeno poppers on a cutting board in the kitchen, but I'm pretty full right now. But it's tempting, but I'm not. I'm pretty full. Um, yeah, so that's what we're having. Get it. Like... If you like delicious things, you're going to love this beer. It's really, really, really good. Now, being aware that my voice is spent and uh, I don't know how bad it's going to get before I finish, I'm just going to crack on. Obviously, as warned uh, in my previous episode, this is now not just the Toronto Beer Podcast with me, your host, Chris Schreier. This is the Toronto Beer and Rugby podcast with me, your host, Chris Schreier. And man, what a good weekend it was for rugby this week. Holy moly. As I think I mentioned, the senior men for Balmy Beach, yeah, I did, uh, played and we won both our games. They, I say, it's we. I'm part of the team. I didn't play a lick. I stood on the sidelines and drank beer and cheered. Actually, I didn't drink that much beer. I had to drive my mom to the airport after the games. I had a beer, singular. Um... But, uh, yeah, great, great games, man. We had fun, had a good old time. And, uh, so that was exciting. Uh, this Saturday we will be playing once again in the G gauge and McCormick cup. G gauge is away from home. We're playing the bucks at Sunnybrook and we're playing Waterloo County at home at Tubbs and G for the McCormick Waterloo County having dispensed with the dastardly Oakville Crusaders, our perennial postseason enemy, who we almost never have to play because they normally either cheat or lose. But you didn't hear that from me. Um, there's a guy we all like on Instagram who makes funny rugby memes about Ontario rugby. It's pretty niche, we get it. but And he had one this week that's uh, it's a picture of a knight sitting like looking really like beat and tired medieval guy and it said uh when waterloo is your waterloo that's pretty funny <laughs> yeah get it waterloo anyway good song incidentally by uh abba could not remember abba's name for a second there i think i'm getting old except old people would remember that i don't know what i'm getting getting tired getting raspy Worth mentioning, of course, outside of <laughs> regional amateur rugby, the Rugby World Cup kicked off this past weekend, and good golly, was it something. Opening game, France versus New Zealand. Whew, tough one to call. Tough one to call. 
France looked like they might have peaked early uh, in the season and uh, didn't play much leading into the World Cup. The flip to that is New Zealand was playing, but wasn't necessarily playing the best rugby you've ever seen come from them. The result... By the way, there's going to be spoilers. If you haven't caught these scores yet, you're too late. They've already happened. Uh, the result was not friendly for New Zealand. France trounced them. Trounced them. Antoine Dupont, easily the best rugby player in the world, looked like the best rugby player in the world. What a legend. So that was the opening night. Ireland thrashed somebody. Romania... Angola, I don't know, somebody like that. No offense to either of those nations I just mentioned, but neither are particular rugby powerhouses. And Ireland is a rugby powerhouse. They were the number one ranked team in the world going into this tournament. So you got to give them a bit of an edge, don't you? England, I don't know. I haven't actually watched back that match yet. I've seen a couple of highlights and I was following the scores. England's got some questions to answer, and you can kind of choose, do you want to look at the negative or the positive? If you look at the positive, it was a great game. They went down to 14 men like three minutes in when Tom Curry headbutted somebody or something. Um, yellow card upgraded to the red in the bunker. That's a big move. Uh, but playing with only 14 uh, players to uh, Argentina's 15... George Ford put on a master class of kicking, kicking three drop goals and six penalties or something. England won 27 to 10. All of their 27 points were kicked. None of them were scored as tries. Also worth mentioning, I think Argentina scored first. They had a penalty like minutes into the game. They might have actually scored the penalty off of the Curry red card. And then they didn't score again, even though they were playing with one extra player until the end of the game at the 80th minute when they scored a try and converted it to get up to 10 points. Uh, so that's something. The flip to that is England was not able to produce anywhere near enough offense to score a try, and that's worrisome. Also, it seems likely that Curry's going to get a ban, and that's also not okay. That's going to be problematic for them. Again, though, on the positive side... George Ford looks like he might have just locked down the number 10 shirt, and it means there's going to be some difficult questions what they do with their captain when he gets back from his ban, because Owen Farrell should really be playing 10, but how could you take Ford out of 10 when he's looking like that? He was a magician. So, interesting conversations around the England uh, camp this week, I am sure. I am sure. What else happened? Well, Sunday morning, no, pardon me, afternoon, um... All the games basically are in the afternoon because they're in France and they're six hours ahead of us. So, yeah, you do the math. Um, uh, yeah, afternoon, South Africa, Scotland. South Africa looks like they might be making a serious effort to keep the World Cup because they are the defending champions. That would be massive. Uh, it's real, real hard to win two World Cups in a row. Uh, but the way South Africa was looking, they could probably do it. Scotland didn't look bad, but they didn't look good either. It just didn't look like they had a lot of go forward. And they ended up losing, I can't remember what it was, 18-3 to or something? I can't remember. But... South Africa very comfortably uh, dispatched with Scotland, which also has made Scotland's tournament a lot harder now. 
not that anyone was really thinking, oh, Scotland's probably going to beat South Africa here, but you get a losing bonus point or two, um, you know, if you play your cards right, and they got none. So that's a that's a hard uh, hard opening to the tournament for them. And of course, lastly, my beloved Wales uh, played uh, Fiji on Sunday in the uh, later afternoon, and it was a real ding-dong. A lot of pundits said it was probably the most exciting game of the weekend. Uh, I obviously thought it was the most exciting game because my team was playing, and my team won. Uh, Wales managed to hold on for a... Was it 32-26? I think it was 32-26 to 26, uh, victory. That's a bonus point win. So four points for the win, an extra point for scoring four tries. Now, interestingly, Fiji did get two bonus points out of that. They also scored four tries. And if you lose by less than seven points, you get an extra point. So Fiji did come away from that game with uh, two points. Was there some questionable officiating? Yeah, there was. There absolutely was. Uh, did it cost Fiji the game? Hard. The really questionable things that happened happened mid-game. And yeah, you can talk about momentum and you can talk about results. The one place where I think an officiating call probably did cost Fiji the game, um, there was a no-arms tackle defending on the line uh, where the Fijian player subsequently knocked on the ball. They even looked at it, um, and it didn't even get mentioned. It was almost as if they didn't see it, but it was right there in the middle of the screen. Um, tackle was illegal all the time. There was no attempt to wrap, and uh, it was that tackle that dislodged the ball. I think Fiji probably can say they were hard done by there. That was that was worthy of a penalty try, without a doubt. But rugby is a game that is played by 30 people on the pitch, plus three officials. And the officials are still humans too. And sometimes they get calls right, and sometimes they get calls wrong. And uh, to be fair, there were probably some calls that were I mean, not that important, but went against uh, Wales as well. Uh, wasn't a great day for the official, to be honest with you. Um, but, uh, but in general, the match was a real banger. The big takeaways for Wales was uh, their discipline was terrible. They had 17 penalties in the game. That's way... You can't you can't play a team like South Africa and take 17 penalties and have a thought that you might win that game. They're going to be systematic and destroy you. But the good side was they defended the way that we used to see Wales defend under Gatland all the time, which is to say an absolute brick wall of defense. Not quite impenetrable, but certainly when they get into the red zone, when they're down by the five meter, it's really, really, really hard to get through Wales. In the end, Fiji almost did it. Probably could have won the game, but Semi Randranda uh, dropped the ball. Not a good look, Semi. That said, Wales also have a lot of questions to answer this week. Again, mainly around discipline, uh, sorting out all those penalty problems because that was inexcusable. But it was an exciting weekend. I shouted a lot. I destroyed my voice. And I can't wait to do it again this weekend. Uh, we've got a game plus World Cup. So I, I can't wait. I think it's going to be fantastic. If you're keen to watch the World Cup, all the games are on TSN. Most of them are on TSN 4 or 5. Some of the big ones, so like South Africa, um, 
Scotland this weekend was on TSN 2. Apparently, you can get a digital subscription to TSN. I haven't looked into it because you can also watch the game other ways, slightly less legally, significantly cheaper, which is to say free. Uh, that's what I tend to do. But uh, if you're interested, look it up. It's just, it's just the most wonderful. As I say, time of the year. It only comes around once every four years. Oh, World Cups. Gosh, I love them. So that is it for the Toronto Beer and Rugby podcast for this week of uh, September the 11th. It's hmm. a big day. Uh, I hope you're well. I hope your voice sounds better than me. I hope you go out of your way to get some of this Two Loons IPA because it's really, really, really good. I really dig it. And uh, I think you will too. So pick this up from uh, Two Loons Brewing. Uh, fantastic stuff. I'll be back next week, hopefully with more of a voice, uh, but, you know, we'll see. This could just become the new norm. I might just show up every Monday with a blown-out voice and thoughts and stories from the rugby that was played this weekend. The mustache will still be there. Ugh. I've been avoiding looking at myself on the screen because it still kind of freaks me out. But, anyway, you have a good week. Get some uh, Two Loons IPA or any other beer. I've only had the two, the lager and the IPA. They're both great. Get some of that. Have a good week. Be safe out there. And I will be back next Monday to talk at you about all things rugby and beer. Bye.